So at the time of recording, it's Tuesday the 2nd of February, and I wanted to start this podcast by paying tribute to someone who has done so much for the NHS whilst keeping a big smile on his face along the way. Rest in peace, Sir Thomas More. What you've done for others will have a huge impact on families, care workers, and individual people's lives for years to come. You might not be here anymore, but your actions won't be forgotten. And on behalf of all of the UK, thank you. If you're like me and have found this pandemic and its many, many lockdowns to be the perfect time to dive headfirst into film photography, or maybe you've been shooting films since before it was cool, back when freedom was legal, you've probably explored the multitude of ways to convert your analogue shots to digital. Having extensively tested the flatbed method to a frustrating and fruitless end, I was keen to switch to the camera plus macro lens method that's been recommended to me by so many photographers, both on and off of the podcast. After scouring the market, I discovered a fantastic, multi-format, high-quality, cost-effective solution for securing my film and diffusing the light underneath it, allowing me to photograph it effectively. Its frame, range of interchangeable gates and light diffuser make it possible to digitally photograph your film quickly and most importantly to me, to a high standard. It allows you to scan 35mm, 120 and even 4x5. Visit pixel-later.com, that's P-I-X-L-L-A-T-R.com to find out more and get your own. Also check them out on Instagram, tell them that I sent you, and a massive thanks to Pixelator for supporting the podcast. Right then, let's get on with talking about photography and stuff. Big things have happened since the last time me and you spoke, big, big things. So... Fujifilm 400H has been discontinued and yeah. for about three hours on Instagram, absolutely every single film photographer shit the bed on it. So <laughs> how, how's that gone for you? What do you feel about uh, one film stock that it seemed like no one was using going out of business? Um, so to be honest, I, I it's bad to say that it's not that I don't care. It's just that I don't think it'll affect people in the way that they made it out to seem like it would. Mm -hmm. Through reading what Fuji said, it didn't even sound like it was, I mean, you know, it's because they've said it was, uh, they couldn't uh, source the materials as easily, I think was the reason they said it's being discontinued. So they didn't mention that it was because there was a lack of interest or anything like that, which it still could have been that way. And, and you know, they're um, just kind of mentioning a different reason as to why it's being discontinued, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as um, a lot of people are making it out to be because in the past, it seems as though Fuji has reintroduced uh, film stocks in a, you know, version two or, or some other form. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see another, 400 speed film from Fuji uh, come out that is similar to 400 H, whether it be 400 H two or, you know, whatever, but yeah. Um, and it also sounded like in 120 they're going to continue to make it through this year. I'm not for sure on that, but I did hear that somewhere that they're going to continue the production through 2021 in the 120 format. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. It just sounds, it, it just was one of those things. I think that it just, you know, they, they dropped the bomb and everyone kind of went into panic mode for whatever reason. And then all these companies started charging double, triple, quadruple the price for it. And now it's back ordered everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's like unnecessary chaos, it seems like. But um, for me, I shot it two or three times 
never really got too attached to it. I got some decent results, a couple photos I really enjoyed from it, but it was never something that I was going to use long-term. And so for me personally, not a huge deal, but for those that did use it on a regular basis, I just feel bad that now it's back ordered. And I just hope that it's, it is because of the, the reason that they stated, which was it's hard to source the materials and not because there's a lack of interest um, compared to what it was before, which could be the case just because of how film is kind of growing on these social media platforms. And a lot of people are pushing uh, Portra and HB5. Like those are the two kind of main film stocks. It seems like everybody's kind of pushing. So I think Fuji 400H kind of got neglected in a, in a way, but right. yeah, I don't know. There are a couple of things that kind of jumped out to me was um, I woke up, look at my phone, I'm going through my stories and just one pass- person after another, after another is posting about it with that kind of waving their fist at the sky mentality. And mm-hmm. the, the thing that I pointed out and I had a couple of people get a little bit frustrated with me over I guess because I always seem to come at things from a slightly pessimistic point of view, but I was being incredibly cynical of the people that were posting about it saying, you don't have to make this about yourself. Like it's a film going out of stock. You you didn't use it. You, you, yeah. weren't, you weren't one of those people that was relying on it for what you do. So mm-hmm. by posting about it, the only actual thing you're doing is making it harder for the people who do use it regularly and do do like the look of it because what's happened is exactly what you're saying is that it's it's forced the scum on eBay to buy up a load of it so that they can sell it on expired in a few years for a, a, a ridiculously inflated price and it's encouraged people uh, people sorry businesses to price hike and one of those companies I actually want to give them a, a huge shout out because there's a company called Moment and I believe they have. Uh, a YouTube channel and a fairly decent following in America, although over here, no one gives a shit. And basically they hiked their price for 400H almost immediately to, uh, I think approximately a little bit over double. They were called out for it by a few people and me being one of those people when I saw it come up on my feed, not because I'm pretending to care about 400H or because I'm pretending that I used it to any extent, but more to the fact that I'm, I'm kind of sick of the same the same words being used about film photography that don't ever seem to come into fruition, which is this idea of like community. And it's not community. And in that kind of situation, it's extortion. And and when I, when I called them out for it, they responded to me by saying that, that they had raised the price to what they had seen it available for on other websites and that they have a price matching policy. So basically what they were saying is we've price fixed, but if you can find one company that's honest enough to lower the price, we'll take their business. So fuck those guys. The film community, the photography community, and to be honest with you, bearing in mind as well, international pandemic, and you're trying to find a way to hike prices on people when you're already a well-established business. I think, yeah, I'm not sending you a birthday card. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of waiting for the videos for how you can make Portra look like Fuji 400. So uh, have you given that a thought for your YouTube channel? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw that, uh, the community kind of, well, uh, certain, certain members of the community that, um, I follow called them out on that, which was good. Cause I think it was a little bit of an advantage of power there. And, and just, you know, I understand that, you know, business is a business, but 
at the same time, it's important to be ethical and, and moral. And when somebody has to pay, you know, four times the amount or three times the amount for the film, for a film stock that they shoot regularly, just because of an announcement and things got taken a little bit out of proportion. then I don't, you know, that's, that's no way to treat the people that keep your business alive. Absolutely. So I think it was great to see certain members of the community, um, express their feelings about that. And it it seemed like they, you know, corrected the, um, the price after that, which was good, but yeah, it's something that just, you know, I, you hate to see happen in the first place, but, um, yeah, it's, and then to the, uh, to the uh, films or the um, Fuji 400H getting portrait to look like Fuji 400H. I, I was going to say that it's like, you know, there's just, it, there's going to be these presets. I mean, there's probably presets already out, but there's just going to be <laughs> presets and you know, everybody's going to be, Oh, you get your Fuji 400H preset pack. Only 39.99 comes with 10 different emulations and different grain options and you know for portrait 400 portrait 160 it's yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting and it's inevitable that that kind of stuff is gonna happen um but i think uh i just i understand this some people were just you know probably use that in the way that i used portrait i try to like pick like picture this whole scenario flipped and having, you know, like portrait 400 going out, then I could actually see myself being a little bit uneasy. Obviously it's not the world turned upside down on me, but it's definitely like, Oh, that is what I shoot 90% of my images on. It's going to be interesting trying to find a different film stock that I feel as comfortable with, you know, cause I probably wouldn't have switched over to Fuji 400 H. I probably would have started shooting like portrait 160 or portrait 800 and portrait 800 is quite expensive. Um, so yeah, you know, for those people that Fuji 400 H was their absolute go-to, I do, I do feel, um, bad for those guys. And I hope that, that Fuji does, end up coming out with a different emulation because um, it would be a shame to, to see that go for all the people that really love to use it and actually cared about it as opposed to the people that shot it once and are making a huge deal about it, you know? Well, quite often lately I'm hearing about different things that people, sort of ordinary qualities of people being referred to as being a superpower. And one of them that I actually saw as a sticker on Instagram was the idea that being deaf is a superpower. I have a point, bear with me. I'm actually um, very hard of hearing in one ear. And um, I'll be honest with you, I've never found that to be much of a superpower other than not quite being able to work out where noises are coming from if they're more than like three foot away from me. But I think I do have a very special superpower, which is I can take the most positive of person and I can turn them negative with just the right amount of moaning. And I'm scared (laughs) of doing that to you here. So let's talk about your YouTube because uh, last night I, I, I took in your new your new video about half an hour long, really great production, really, really nicely put together. It just felt like I was watching a TV production. It was just fantastic. Before we get to that, let's just talk about the hair. What's going on with the hair? What happened? I had always wanted to grow my hair out for ever since I was 
midway through high school and you know I just for my own curiosity just to see what I kind of would look like because my hair it, it's very straight and thin so it, it just kind of is like it, when it grows out it just goes straight straight down there's no waves to it or anything I was just curious to see what it would look like and then I always wanted to fulfill my fantasy of having a man bun for just a little bit so I ended up growing <laughs> it out for <laughs> I ended up growing it out for two it was like two years total a little over two years and um yeah, you know, it was it was a fun experience, but towards the end, just increasingly annoying, and just kind of impulsively start, uh, decided to uh, chop it all off. And when I took my first shower after getting my hair cut, I had absolutely zero regrets because it was about seven minutes shorter than it was before, <laughs> and just uh, everything about it is more convenient and. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, time for a change time because my hair was short, like it is now, uh, pretty much my whole life. And so happy to be back in my normal form. So is the plan now there's, the, the, you know, I don't want to dwell on the hair too much cause I don't have any, but is the plan <laughs> now moving forwards with the way that you've produced this new video? I mean, it just seems to be a real jump in, mm. in the production quality. And I'm not saying that to be negative about what you've done before, but it just seems to be such a oh, positive yeah. jump. Is that the plan yeah. is that you want to maybe spend a bit more time on videos then be a bit longer, but, but in terms of frequency of posting, there'll be a bit more spaced out. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the change that, uh, over the last couple of months I've realized I want to have happen because I want to take the YouTube channel in a direction that mimics something that you would see on Netflix or on TV in a way. Um, just, just for my own satisfaction and fulfillment, because I do come from a, I, I've spent a lot of time making videos and doing video creations. So it's just like neglecting video is something that would be incredibly difficult for me to do moving forward. I think I obviously want to make photos that can stand on their own. But um, it's very important to me to have the video that accompanies the photos because I think it adds in a totally new and different and, addi and additional dynamic to the stories that I want to tell. Um, the way that I want to kind of use my YouTube channel moving forward is, you know, obviously have my images um, as the backbone through the video and the photography experiences and journeys that I have be that backbone, but I want branches to come out of that backbone and I can highlight those stories through video. So uh, for example, in my last video, I ended up going up to Seattle for a little bit and I did a quick interview with my friend Lily, who's an artist and that wasn't even planned at all. I went up to Seattle on a whim because it was a nice day. I hadn't been in the city for quite some time. Just wanted to go up there and shoot. I knew she lived up there. So I texted her, asked her if she knew of any good places to, to take photos. And she said, yeah, there's some really nice spots around my house. Um, if you want to come by, we can do a walk through the neighborhood. I can show you some really cool places to take photos. I hadn't seen her in like two years. I was like, oh, great. It's 
be an awesome opportunity to catch up, go take some pictures. And then on my drive to her house, I got the idea, Hey, it'd be cool to, to ask her a few questions about what she's been doing with music during the pandemic, uh, how this whole experience has influenced the way that she makes her music. And that all came about in like the 10 minute drive to her house. And then when I got there, I was like, Hey, this is totally unexpected. No worries if, if you don't want to do it, but would you be down to just answer a couple of questions really quick? I can film it. And you know, I'd love to tell a little, give a little piece of your story and put it in the, the video that I'm making. She, Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I just sat down, asked her a few questions, took a couple of portraits of her, which all that was not planned and completely unexpected came about, you know, like I said, in, in the 10 minute drive that I went over to her house. And those are the kind of experiences that I want to highlight through video. Um, moving forward, I want, you know, my photography journeys to be that backbone. Let's say I'm going up into the mountains, I'm going up to Snoqualmie Pass to take pictures, but I want any side stories to be highlighted through video. And that's the direction that I want to go moving forward. And that kind of just happens to take the form of these longer videos, these more TV style episodes, just because I want them to be layered. I want them to have multiple parts. I want them to be engaging, um, although they are long. And that's one of the most powerful tools about video because you can tell a story through through a picture. Absolutely. But there's just, there's something you just can't quite do it in the way that you can with video. And I've really recognized that over the past couple of months. So it's something that I want to make sure I emphasize as I move forward this year. I mean, the word you use there that jumped out to me is layered and that's how I felt watching it. It felt like it was, it was almost an acts structure. Like it was a three act YouTube video, which is mm-hmm. obviously completely nuts because even if you watch like short movies on YouTube where it's like, it's actually supposed to be a movie, they don't have quite as much in the way of layering as what you had. I honestly really do think you did a fantastic job um, and I'm not prone to kissing ass. So um, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely if an English person compliments you, it means something really good because we spend most of our time just being that. the villain in, in American movies. But let's address, first of all, the 11 people that disliked it to like the 2000 people that liked it, the 11 <laughs> people that disliked it. I'm speaking specifically to you. Just reevaluate your life. Okay. Just reevaluate it. Oh my gosh. I, I think, I think the the dislikes are just, just disliking a YouTube video is, is so interesting to me. Like, the fact like you brought it up and I completely forgot that people actually do that. It's like, <laughs> I understand if, if somebody's, if somebody's making a video and it's just, you know, super clickbaity, the, you know, content is nothing what it said it was going to be, or it's just a negative video. But for all these people that are putting in a lot of effort and, and, you know, making quality videos that they're proud of and having a good time doing it, <laughs> just, I really can't come to grips with uh, the fact that some people feel obliged to hop on there and drop a dislike. It's, it's, if anything, absolutely humorous. So gotta gotta appreciate those people every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> they definitely have to reevaluate their life though yes there's a couple of things in this video that really stood out to me if you don't mind me picking on the first one you said about feeling insignificant in nature and that you like that feeling go back mm-hmm. to nature because it makes you feel le- i think you said insignificant or less significant i actually generally speaking for i think for the last five years i've traveled to new york mm-hmm. in january every single year for the last five years this year being the the first i haven't been able to 
the reason I go to New York specifically, I'm a terrible, terrible street photographer, awful street photographer, but I really enjoy <laughs> doing it. And I go on my own and I essentially yeah. just spend four or five days wandering around with a camera and watching sports mm. in the evening. I'll go and catch a Nets game or I'll go and, and watch the Islanders or whatever. Nice. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just Christ, yeah. am I missing it this year? And I go to New York because it makes me feel insignificant. Like, New York feels like one of those mm-hmm. places where if you just drop dead in the middle of the street, most people wouldn't even notice. Like they're just so yeah. focused on what they're doing. No one pays attention to what's around them. And I always feel yeah. like big cities make me feel insignificant. And I, I found it really interesting. It actually really jumped out at me when you said that nature makes you feel insignificant. So yeah. So how come? I think it's just becoming completely disconnected from everything that I've grown up to know you know, from a young age, you're in school, you're surrounded by other people constantly surrounded by my friends, live with your family. It's for the most part, you're always around people. And then when I started to take these trips up up into the mountains by myself and go on these hikes where there'd be nobody else on the trail, I just really felt alone and seeing the landscapes just flow through these mountain ranges as far as I can see. It just opened my mind. And I really started to realize just how vast the world is and taking it a step further. If this is just in my backyard, if all these landscapes that I, you know, I go out on a hike and I, and I look out at the view and I can see the mountains just roll on forever and ever. And that's just in my backyard. Imagine what else lies out there that not just I haven't explored, but the rest of the world hasn't even explored. You know, it, it's, it is a mind boggling thing to think about the fact that just in Washington state, there are these landscapes and there are these mountain ranges that just seem to carry on forever and ever. And this is only a tiny fraction of the world. Once I put that into perspective, I was just completely mind blown and really realized how completely insignificant my existence is in relation to the rest of the world. And that is also a driving factor in what motivates me to travel and explore different cultures of the world. Because just seeing the diversity and vastness of where I live in Washington state is pretty incredible. And then to think that there are completely different cultures that I will never be able to fully understand living out in, you know, the, the deserts of, of Africa or um, these places in Asia, you know, it's just, it piques my curiosity. It gets me excited to go out and, and hopefully one day explore and document those cultures just for nothing else. Uh, if for nothing else, just for my own personal gain and my own personal learning, one show that has been heavily inspiring me recently has been Parts Unknown by Anthony Bourdain because he goes to these different places all throughout the world, these different cultures. And he really tells the story that that matters. It's not just him going to these beautiful places and highlighting all these amazing you know, tourist attractions and stuff. He really dives into these to some really interesting cultural values of all these locations that he goes to. And he helped spread the word about many different cultures throughout the world to the public. Um, his show was, was very popular over the last decade. And I think in, uh, in history classes in high school, they should just 
show show his TV show instead of actually teaching material because it'd be a lot more valuable. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of why I, I think uh, nature and being up in the mountains really makes me feel insignificant is is just because it it ended up putting everything into perspective for me and really hammered down the fact that I am a minuscule fraction of of what makes up this world and and uh, all the cultures within it. Well, it's interesting because when you say you feel insignificant in nature, I genuinely am not being contradictory for the sake of being a dickhead here. Mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> I, I, my personal way of feeling, and I, I think it probably does entirely come from the fact that I live on a, on a tiny little plank of wood floating in the ocean that doesn't have any space left, basically, because everyone's all hunkered onto it. But I genuinely feel like when I'm out in nature in, in America, I, I do try and obviously you guys have, you have some decent nature as you've alluded to. Mm. I, I do find that I kind of get saddened when I see humans in nature. Cause I kind yeah. of, I'm not going to get all Leonardo DiCaprio and get in my private jet and then tell people how they should <laughs> go about driving to work. But yeah, it, I just feel like anytime you see a human in a space where they're not yet common, I start to think, could you just like, fuck off away from this bit could this bit just be without us because it feels like it's the worst thing because it's like it's like being the virus and not liking the virus all at the same time because humans have such a a, a propensity to just ruin places that they go to and i'm I'm not saying you because you know you you definitely come across as someone that you know leave only footprints take only pictures kind of guy but you know there was um i think it was about three or four years ago there was a a new body of water found somewhere in like Utah or Nevada. And within mm-hmm. a couple of weeks of it being posted on Instagram, someone had found this amazing little like hidden landscape spot. It was just completely trashed. They'd destroyed the water there. There was just litter everywhere. Yeah. And that's how I always feel about nature is I always feel like, I feel like the wolf walking into the sheep's pen whenever I find somewhere that's lacking in yeah. humans it, 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 do you ever feel like that do you ever okay so does it ever frustrate you if you're ever somewhere and there's like several photographers it doesn't frustrate me if i go out into to a spot and there's other people enjoying it because i'm out there enjoying it that means other people should be able to as well and there's a way to go out and enjoy it without like you said being you know uh, being disrespectful or or damaging to the environment and you know, there's a lot of ways that I won't get into right now is how to do that. You know, just making sure you're staying on the trails, leaving no trace, picking up your garbage. Um, yeah, just, you know, treating the environment in a polite and respectful way. But I, I got to remember that if if I'm able to go out to these places and enjoy them, then other people absolutely should be able to as well. Um, and it just also makes those times where you are alone out there that much more special. Uh, I went out on a hike late fall of 2020 and there was maybe two other people on the trail that I just briefly saw for the most part. I had this Alpine Lake all to myself. And since that does happen quite rarely, it it just makes it that much more special. It's kind of like the analogy. If you went to Disneyland every day, it wouldn't, wouldn't have that same magical feel that it does when you go, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I, that I've learned to appreciate. And then also understand that I go out on these hikes, I go out 
and take these landscapes because it is a form of therapy for me. It's something that I really do enjoy. And there's other people out there that probably have that same intention with it. Now, there are plenty of people that see a post on Instagram and then they run out there, you know, and and pack up a load of food and leave a bunch of garbage in the trailhead parking lot. And, you know, those people uh, probably don't belong out there or they need to learn some form of respect and, and need to learn the rules. Well, that's the 11 people that disliked your video, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it is an interesting and delicate balance for sure. Uh, I think the, the people that are, um, you know, the walk, like where I live, the Washington trails association and, uh, the, the national parks, um, the people that, that work for the national parks and stuff, they do a fantastic job of maintaining the trails, enforcing the rules, making sure people are understanding of the environment. And that's only something that I've learned to appreciate over the last couple of years as I've had time to mature more because as a kid, you know, I'd, I'd definitely be one of those people not to necessarily leave garbage everywhere and litter, but just to run off the trail, you know, and just not treat the environment the way that it should be treated. But over the last couple of years, you really, I've really learned that it is important to, to make sure that you are doing your part to keep these places clean and intact because as the popu- as the world population grows, you know, obviously it, it likely won't happen in our lifetime to see a lot of these places uh, get cleared out and, and logged and stuff. But I mean, to certain, to a certain extent it will, but there's, there's a lot uh, of, uh, of space that has yet to be explored. But at some point, you know, these people are going to come in and, and find ways to make a business out of it and, and clear these beautiful locations, which is really a shame. And so I, I just want to make sure that I take full advantage and appreciate it and, and uh, enjoy it while I can and encourage others to do the same, but encourage, uh, I just hope that these people that, that go out and enjoy these spots understand how delicate it is and how beautiful it is and treat it the way that it should be treated because it is it like if you spend a day in the city and then you go out to the these places and go out into the mountains it's just it's such a nice form of relaxation and and breath of fresh air and uh it's something that i want everyone to be able to experience but i just I just hope that uh, they treat it in in a loving and caring way because it's just that special to me. And and I think the more people that go out there will realize how special it can be for them as well. Well, in this video, you did mention about, I think it's basically saying 2021 is about you focusing on photography. Yeah. And I guess short question would be, what was your focus on before and, and why was that an issue? I focused before, I think the the past year, I just think I was really caught up in the whole kind of idea of what a film photography, YouTube channel, film photography uh, person's Instagram should look like. I just, I felt like kind of boxed in, in a way, just because of what everyone else was making. I felt like, oh, this is kind of the formula for making a a film photography video or, or taking a film photography image. 
And then, uh, like last couple of months, just, I realized that I can, I can take it in a way, in, in a different way. I can do what I, I want to do with it. And that just kind of got me excited to really focus on making these videos in, uh, in correlation or in, um, along with the the photos that I take. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited for, for this year to be solely kind of focused on doing what I want to do with photography, taking it in the direction that I want to take it and not disconnecting from the rest of the film photography community. I still obviously want to be in touch with, with everybody else. I want to do another community gallery, but I want the actual images and the actual videos to kind of stand alone and, and be this really interesting and intricate way of telling the stories um, and sharing the experiences that I have over the next year. So what does focusing on it for yourself look like? Is it, is it down to maybe setting yourself some, some shorter term goals over the course of the year, like little projects? I mean, I don't know how structured, for instance, your last video was. Mm -hmm. You mentioned about the kind of the the central part or the central act of it being a little bit improvised. But is it the case that yeah. you're going to, I mean, one thing that's kind of interesting with that is I feel like a lot of YouTube film photography stuff is videos that are the most important part and photos are taken for the sake of having something in the video. And mm -hmm. that's, I don't know if that's, obviously it's none of my fucking business, but I don't know if that's the best motivation because it makes the photos secondary in a subject that's entirely right. about photos. So is it the case that you're going to set yourself like photo goals and use the video to frame that as opposed to what I do sort of tend to see from a lot of other people? To a certain extent, I'd say yes. I think that this year, the both videos and photos that I end up making are going to come from essentially me going to a place that I have kind of pre-planned and going with the intention of taking pictures, but not having a lot of expectations while I go out there. So I want, you know, for example, uh, maybe go out to a place in Eastern Washington. Uh, I, I just went out there actually for my new video, but a place called Ellensburg is this little town, Eastern Washington. It's very, a uh, very kind of Western-esque um, and, you know, just have that in mind, before, you know, the night before, have it planned. Okay, I'm going to Ellensburg tomorrow. I'm going to go out here, but I, I don't have any intentions for, or I don't have any expectations for what these pictures are going to be or what pictures I'm even going to take. It's for me, I just love going out and, and on a whim, finding, you know, what I find and, and, documenting that, uh, the best for whatever reason, I know it's not the case with everyone, but for whatever reason, my entire life, always my, my favorite pictures, my, my favorite videos that I've made have always been these trips or these locations that I just kind of pop out to and, and, you know, and I end up capturing what I find some of it is, uh, some of, sometimes it never works out. And sometimes I go out to these places and I just don't find anything. And that's part of the process. But a lot of the times I'll end up going out to these spots and I just 
meet somebody and have a conversation that is super intriguing or, uh, you know, find something that ends up making for a great, great, uh, image or a great piece for a video. So this year kind of taking all those and stirring them in this big, all all those experiences and, and stirring them in this big pot, kind of creating these videos, uh, around that. I think that's what I'm most excited for. And yeah, you know, I, I, I've always just been that kind of person that's, that's big on, big on improv. I just kind of go out to some, I go out to a location and, uh, and just kind of end up capturing whatever I see. And a lot of the times it's, it means driving around and, and, you know, just nothing's really catching my eye. I'm not really in the creative zone. And, uh, yeah, that, that can happen and can be incredibly frustrating. But for those times that, uh, that, that it does end up working out, makes for some really special pictures, videos, and experiences. I mean, you really did kind of dance on something earlier there that I think is worth taking a look at. Something that I have noticed with, you know, my very brief time paying attention to film photography on YouTube. I didn't generally pay attention to photography on YouTube um, for quite a while, but Mm -hmm. with my brief time watching these videos and, and subscribing to a lot of channels and there is a formula that a lot of people follow. There is a real stereotype to what a film photography YouTube video should look like. And, you know, not to, not, not to demean it because if something works and if someone enjoys something, that's going to happen. There's a reason that you got big movements in music is because one person did something and someone else saw it and was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I want to do that as well. And that's kind of where it comes from. But what does happen is there has to be a natural evolution. There has to be the next thing comes in. Otherwise it's just lo-fi videos of people taking pictures of car parks in their hometown yeah yeah you know it's it's gonna hit a wall and people are gonna get a little bit bored of it and i feel like it's actually quite a crucial point for film photography generally obviously we alluded at the beginning to a fairly significant or insignificant thing depending on your instagram following i think but you know films being discontinued obviously has to be of concern Although digital cameras get discontinued fairly regularly, it doesn't seem to scare people because there's always new ones coming out. That's that's really the crux of it. Because of the rise in popularity of film photography over the last maybe five years, and I really do think it's actually becoming quite exponential. It's it's really picking up. And you're seeing people that mm-hmm. used to shoot film who switched to digital for their work, even picking film back up as a medium because just within the sort of general zeitgeist, it's becoming popular again. People are using fake film borders like Kylie Jenner or whoever is using fake film borders (laughs) because the aesthetic of film is now becoming popular outside of photography. This is a really key moment for continuing to grow that because what can happen is it can stagnate very, very quickly with the costs involved and and the inconvenience as some people view it. It's important to kind of keep things moving. And I genuinely would put my money right now on this time next year and we're more than happy for us to um to do this again in a year's time and you can see if i was right <laughs> to say that the, the way that you've done this most recent video and i'm i promise i'm not overplaying this being really significant that if people start seeing that you know it benefits to put in more work to put in a little bit more of yourself into the into the video a little bit more production a little bit more time and maybe not rush stuff out you know for the once a week video it's going to make a big difference. Like I've been stuck in a house now for coming up to basically a year with the exception of a a couple of months 
of sporadic being allowed to be outside of the front door. Mm-hmm. And my, my motivation for photography has really dropped as a result. And watching your video last night literally made me want to get my camera out, go and do something like immediately. That was the, the instant feeling I got was I felt motivated to go and do photography. And when I'm watching a lot of these kind of like stereotypical photography videos, I just don't feel that motivation because it just feels like we're all hitting the same beats over and over again. It's like watching a horror film from like 2003. They're just doing what you've seen a thousand <laughs> times over. Yeah. Obviously, you've taken your step forward, and I'm speaking for you there. I apologize, but you've taken your step forward with this no, latest no. video, and I, I can definitely see a progression coming. How does the the film community and how does film photography stop for itself from stagnating? I think it's really important to change lanes in whatever style of photography that you're in. It can be as minuscule as as that, just trying to change lanes. If you're solely focused on landscape photography, you know, try to go out into the city for a day with a smaller camera, uh, take some street pictures if you, if you want to call it that and, and just, you know, walk around for a few hours, see what kind of pictures you grab, or it could be changing lanes, uh, in the sense that if you are solely focused on taking pictures, maybe one day you go out and, and you try filming yourself on a video camera, if you have one or your iPhone or something like that, and you make a little video out of it, you narrate over it, not necessarily to, to put it out there for everybody to see, but just do it for yourself. And I think, uh, you know, you gotta, it's really important to have zero expectations when you start changing lanes and when you start putting yourself out of the box that, that you might be in, you can't have any expectations when you do something like that, because you're just going to end up beating yourself up over it. You're going to get discouraged because it's not going to live up to the to the hype or the, or the the bar that you have set for it. I still struggle with this on a regular basis. Whenever I'm making a new video, you know, I, I always feel like I have to one up myself from the previous video, and it's not necessarily about doing that. It's more so about just how can I differentiate it from the previous video? How can I make it slightly different? How can I tell a different story? How can I divert it in any way? I don't have to you know, bring up the production value on every single video. I don't have to push things to the next level on, on every single video. It's, I just don't want every video that I make to be the same. Structurally, it, yeah, it could, ha- it could have the same structure, but I want the stories to be different. I want to you know, talk to different people from different walks of life. There's all these small ways that can end up drastically changing the storyline of a video or a photo. And that's something that, uh, that I'm going to focus on moving forward. And especially with these longer formed videos that I'm making, uh, talking to different people and just having different experiences than what I'm used to. But as far as for everybody else, I think it is just important to to try to figure out a way to, to kind of break that repetitive uh, nature that they might be in, you know, and if, if taking pictures kind of has this same, uh, same kind of repetitive activity attached to it, if every, every picture you take is you walking out of your house and walking down the same street every day, you know, looking at the same kind of thing, it's, it can be tough to kind of break out of that shell, but, it's absolutely essential that you do so if uh, if you don't want to become stagnated in whatever form of photography or videography that you find yourself in. Um, 
like I said, there's, there's really small ways that you can do that. And there's, there's bigger ways that you can do that as well. Uh, it's going to be different for everybody. Well, if I can just jump in there though, like there's a couple of big yeah. things I feel like people need to be aware of. Yeah. For, you know, it's one of those things where like, there's an expression I think Sue Bryce used about pricing years ago, which was like, if one boat, if you bring the water up for one boat, it brings it up for everybody. So you have to think about mm. community when it comes to pricing and things like that. And I think that when it comes to photography, when it comes to what's on YouTube, there has to be some some thought in the same sense. There's an awful lot of attention afforded to very, very few people. Yeah, And definitely. in no way am I saying that they're not deserving of attention or in no way am I saying that, you know, there, there's an issue with that in general. But I think the mm. problem is, is that when you have a system like what YouTube has and what Instagram has, where the algorithm constantly churns out the same five or six people, I can't watch a video about photography on YouTube without the one person I can think of off the top of my head in particular, who I've never subscribed to, I don't subscribe to, I don't watch their videos. It's just, it's not for me. But every single time I watch a, a video on YouTube about photography, this person is my next suggestion every single time. And then my, my, my algorithm goes nuts. I should be following them and so on. I think Instagram does the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. one thing that could be done about that really, and this might seem like I'm being a little bit petty, but I, I genuinely mean this for, for the greater good is that maybe people stop helping that algorithm out so much in the sense that watch whatever you want to watch. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I would never expect anyone to not watch what they want to watch. And those popular people are popular for a reason, but they mm -hmm. don't need you know, they don't necessarily need constant shout outs from people who are trying to get their attention in the hope that they'll get a little bit of attention back. I do feel like there's a few people that sit in their houses and definitely think that, that they'd get asked for their autograph if they walked out their front door because of the number of views they get on a video or whatever. <laughs> when, it, yeah. you know, in actual fact, it's a very small percentage of a very small market. It just, it, I'd like to see sort of more work from people within helping the algorithm by mm -hmm. lifting up smaller creators, so to speak, and, and smaller people, not non-deserving ones, because people that aren't really putting much into it or don't have much to say, there's, there's a reason that they're not being paid attention to. But there sure is about five or six people, it feels like, in photography in general, but in, in film photography, that they're always just referencing each other. And it's just a constant spiral. And if you've only got those few people to pick from and those few people are all doing what each other is doing, you know, I mean, like Pete McKinnon outside of film photography, Pete McKinnon went through that phase where, you know, if he took a shit in tinfoil and put two fishing hooks through it, people would call it the best necklace that had ever been created. And the problem is it stagnates. And then everybody who is trying to get attention because the algorithm is forcing it so much, everyone does what he does. And then it almost becomes a little bit of a meme of itself. And I think one yeah. thing that we could really do with in photography is just is trying to find hidden gems as opposed to constantly saying, you know, oh, by the way, Shawshank Redemption is a really good film. Like it doesn't need to be said anymore. Mm. It's, it's, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I think is missing a little bit. Right. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And it's a hundred percent apparent that that is the way that it works. You know, there's, there's like a handful of people that just get recycled through each other and lift each other up. And in reality, there's so many smaller 
photographers and filmmakers out there that are making incredible work. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to highlight when I created the uh, community gallery. Cause I noticed that when I started, I was like, wow, there's like three people on YouTube that I keep getting recommended for. I wonder how many more people are out there that are either making videos or taking photos that I don't even know about that are probably taking as good of images and making as good of videos as some of these people, you know? And it's like, dang, how do these people get discovered? Because all it's going to do when these people get discovered is help the entire community as a whole, uh, offer a different perspective on things. Uh, you know, every, every new person that you get introduced to that uh, has a story to tell and has a perspective on photography and life in general just opens your mind more and helps you learn more about uh, what you're doing and the art that you're making and your walk through life. So yeah, it's, I, and I wish I had an answer as to how we can kind of break that algorithm and, and, you know, uh, try to highlight some of these smaller creators and get more people involved in the community. Um, as far as what everybody can just do on their own is, you know, putting people out there on their, Instagram, I suppose, and um, sharing work that inspires you or motivates you or strikes you in any way, um, telling people about the you know photographers that you're enjoying or, or people on YouTube that you're enjoying, having those conversations. I mean, I actually, while we're on the subject, it would be completely contradictory of me to bring this up and then not have someone to throw to. And I, I don't know if you yeah, know absolutely. of this person, they're UK based and something that, that they do is they produce these fantastic videos, really breaking down cinematographers or breaking down photographers um, and talking about their work. They, there's, they do um, videos about, you know, women in uh, photography, women in film photography to follow people in general in film photography to follow. Um, and that's T Hopper. T Hopper is a really cool channel to follow. Mm hmm. And I, I feel I like sometimes, it. you know, when someone's putting out that interesting and as thorough a content as they are, when you've got yeah. other people that are doing, you know, I'm going to go and take a picture of, of a car park space that I've already photographed like 600 times on this channel, but this time it's going to be yeah slightly snowy or it's going to be slightly sunny. I just, it's nice to see <laughs> someone doing something really thorough and especially when it's in yeah. reference to other art, because I don't think... Um, a lot of attention is given to art in general. I think people focus very much on, you know, the camera, the gear, the film, whatever. And it's there's a lot of great art out there. Yeah. I, we need to talk about something that's become, become very apparent to me um, about you, which is that I think, and I want to encourage this, I'm, I'm pushing this actively. There seems to be like almost a Bray memes thing going on <laughs> where people are sort of picking up on little little things about you and they're turning into their own memes. And I want to encourage this yeah. greatly. So I know that the, the big first one is to do with mirror lockup. So let's, let's talk about yeah. mirror lockup. Where did <laughs> that come from? Ever since I got the Pentax 6.7, I got the, the second version. So the, it's the Pentax 6.7 MLU and it has the, uh, and I believe the Pentax 6.7 too is the same, has the same body. But yeah, it's got that mirror lockup switch right next to the right hand grip that I put on it. So I just, ever since I got that camera and started making the videos, every time I'd go out and shoot, I'd at least one time per video, I think I'd pretty much accidentally hit the mirror lockup switch because, uh, you know, just of the way that I handled the camera. And then in the video, I'd always go, Oh, 
mirror lock up, switch again, shooting blind. And the first couple that I took ended up actually being pretty, pretty good. So then the meme became like, became, Oh, whenever you accidentally mirrors up, it's going to be the best picture out of the role. It's going to be the pe- best picture in the video, <laughs> but he can't see what he's actually shooting, which I made the joke earlier on is a very, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's definitely the big one that comes up and it still happens to this day. And I don't even, people are like, Oh, put the, put the tape over the switch that helped me. And it's like, at this point, I don't even want to, because it's, it's part of who I am. It's just a part of me. It's part of the videos. It's a part of me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take away fate and destiny anymore by putting a piece of tape over it. So I'm just gonna let it roll and yeah, we'll see what happens. It's kind of like playing a, uh, playing Russian roulette with, with one picture out of my, out of my role every time I shoot. So it's pretty fun. Well, I think it's something we need to encourage. I think that, you know, the yeah. internet needs to do what it does and it needs to, to find some more memes. I, I like the idea. I almost sent you a picture of there's a, a hide that you can get, like as in you hide in it to take pictures of animals. And there's yeah. a really terrible one, which is uh, a swan, but it doesn't look anything like a swan <laughs> and it would scare the shit out of any bird that ever saw it. And when you were looking for a, a waterproof yeah, uh, solution for your six seven and your Bronica. I was going to send you that, but I was like, I don't know. I don't feel like I know you well enough, and I always feel like I come across oh, horrible no. in messages. So I don't want to seem like yeah. I was mocking or anything like that. But yeah, the internet needs to do what it does. We need more Bray memes. Yeah, <laughs> I love the memes, man. They're they're fantastic. What's happening with the next video? Then I know you obviously don't want to give too much away, but um, how long have we mm-hmm. all got to wait for the next one to come? So right now the schedule that's kind of taking place is like, uh, it's a video and then two weeks off and then another video. So every third week. Uh, so that is, uh, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday and that just get, that's going to increase once the weather starts cooperating here more in Washington. I'm just part of the reason why I was looking for the rain gear is because I'm sick of just not going out and shooting. I like, I don't even care at this point. Just give me a plastic bag over my camera and I'm going to start going out and taking pictures. Cause I just, I want to get out and shoot more, but the weather's very groggy here. So once the weather starts cooperating more, get some more sunny days, I plan. And that's, as I said earlier, focusing a lot on my photography this year, putting everything I have into it. That means I'm going to be trying to go out and shoot, you know, at least five days a week, uh, which means that these videos are going to be coming out more often. And the way that I kind of want to structure it is is almost do like a seasonal kind of thing. So I go out and I, I film, I bank eight episodes and I schedule those for every week. And while those are releasing kind of, uh, Go, I'm going out and filming the second season. So it might be like eight videos in a row and then like two or three week break. And then the second season kind of airs. And, and I want them to kind of take, have this structure of the last two videos, these longer form videos, talk to people that I meet along the way, along the journeys that I have. So that's kind of the structure. And then as far as the next video goes, um, right now it's the the previous two have been once i shoot five or six rolls kind of the is the average then i'm able to piece what i want uh what i want the video to be i'm able to piece that up uh after i shoot seems to be about five or six rolls so i've only shot one roll so far or two rolls so far but same location a lot of the same images on that one um 
So yeah, it'll probably take another few days of shooting. Um, hopefully we get some nice weather here coming up. Um, but the next one, uh, I, I think some of these images that I got in my first two rolls are going to be some of my favorites to date, hopefully if they turn out and, um, yeah, I want to kind of get out into the Eastern Washington, which is more desert kind of landscapes. These, uh, Highlands, a lot of grass and snow and stuff, kind of shoot that those areas, maybe talk to some friends I have out there and stuff. But yeah, don't have don't have it all jotted down or scripted yet. Just kind of loosely loose uh, a loose idea of heading out that direction. So we'll see what ends up happening. Well, one guy I do know that's out your way is uh, Scott Whipperman. I think he's in Seattle now. I know he's okay. moving in that direction, but he's uh, he's got this fantastic style of combining like the, the, he finds like the point where nature meets people or cool. like he finds yeah. a human element that's being overtaken by nature, things like that. He's a really interesting guy to talk to. So I definitely recommend um, yeah. looking into perhaps talking to him and like, like you, I don't know what it is about your part of the world, but you, you have lovely voices. It's very frustrating. I feel like really? this whole, you could have been, you could have been advertising whiskey for this entire podcast and, <laughs> and it would have just totally been, no way, totally been fitting. I've never had that. Uh, I actually, so quick side note, I did a few podcasts myself. I can't remember if I mentioned this to you back in when I was in college, really bad, just like talking about kind of degenerate college things that are now unlisted <laughs> on my YouTube channel. But uh, I did get a couple comments saying that, Oh wow, your voice is quite soothing. I could listen to this for hours, which is just like, I've never, I've, every time I hear my voice, like when I go back and watch my YouTube videos, I just, I can't do it. I just cringe. I, oh no, I can't watch it. I can't listen to my own voice, but I appreciate the compliment. Well, you know, maybe, maybe set up like a Patreon wall where people can listen to the old generate <laughs> college podcast if they give you enough yeah, money. That's, that's, that's the trick. Idea. Right. Um, you've, you've been so generous with your time. I think this is, makes up for about three hours total that we've spoken to each other, which is far too much time to yeah. spend listening to me talk. Oh no. Let's, let's make sure that we send more people over to your YouTube channel and everywhere else. And anyone that's listening to this, that does happen to go and watch the latest video on your channel needs to immediately add a like and then pay attention to the people that have disliked and just pity them for who they are. <laughs> so yeah, where's the best place for people to go and find all your stuff? Appreciate that, man. Yeah. So Instagram is my full name, Bray Hunziker. And then same on the YouTube channel. Yeah. My YouTube Bray Hunziker. If you type that into YouTube, it should pop up, but as a kind of theme for this podcast, I, I'd encourage you to go and check out some people that you haven't been uh, following yet. Maybe check out some photo new photographers work, new YouTubers work. Um, just kind of browse around, maybe take, you know, 30 minutes and an hour out of your day or week and try to find some new people that pique your curiosity because I'd love for more people to get some light shined on them that have the talent that a lot of these people uh, that are more well-known have. And it'd, it'd just be awesome to lift each other up and, and kind of support the community in that sense. So I'd encourage everybody to do that. And I'm going to try to do my part and, and uh, do some more community galleries as well and highlight some of these incredible photographers and filmmakers for sure. But uh, yeah, man, appreciate you having me on. And I love, love chatting about this stuff. Need to do it more often. It's definitely healthy. Well, a, a good podcast at that point would see that as a lovely sentiment on which to end and would let things go <laughs> I'm not that guy I have to ask because I don't think I brought this up last time and if I did I've apparently suffered sure. some kind of amnesia let's talk about your last name really quickly oh yeah B 
because I think like most people would be scared to try and pronounce it. Yeah. Where's it from? It's Swiss. Uh, my first name is Scottish. Uh, it means hill, like a slope, just a hill. Pretty boring. Uh, that's Scottish. And my last name is Hunziker. And that is, yeah, Swiss. And it originates, from what I understand, there were some tribes or villages uh, in Switzerland. Uh, not sure the year, way, way back. And one of them was called the Hunziken tribe. And I guess there was a battle or something and the Hunziken tribe prevailed, migrated into Germany, I believe it was. Um, and yeah, from then on, it was uh, from the people from that village or tribe were called Hunzikers. And that's where the last name stems from. The longer I waited, the more that I've tried, all the years Can he?